Welcome back to News and Views on this Political Trivia Thursday. Uh, don't have any callers yet, but the question is, uh, and if you win this, we got a free oil change from your car from Dave Davis, East Carolina Chrysler Dodge, or Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram, a gift certificate for Fit for Life, including two free training sessions with a fitness coach, a $20 gift card from Mutro Bueno for lunch or dinner, $20 gift card from Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden, a gift card to University PC Care, and an Ironwood Golf Certificate. And our trivia question for today, since it's Independence Day coming up next week. In the year 1779, America's Independence Day was actually celebrated on July 5th instead of July 4th. So why was that? So we celebrated on July 5th. Fifth in 1779. Why was that decision made by our early government leaders? The number is 252-561-8255. Um, again, uh, if you remember, if anyone in your immediate family have recently won, allow 60 days to pass before you play again. Do we have any callers, Clark? Again, uh, 252-561-8255. In the year 1779, America's Independence Day was actually celebrated on July 5th instead of July 4th. Why is that? Who we got, Clark? Ray. Okay, Ray, did you hear the question? I did. What you, what you got for me? Well, I'll give it a shot because it was a Sunday. Uh-huh. Because... Because it was a Sunday, this they decided to celebrate on July fifth. You are exactly right. That's a quick yeah, one. Good job. That good. was a lucky guess. Did you did you Google that or you look on the calendar, right? No, I guessed it. You know, cause I knew they were very religious back then. That's right. I don't think that would happen today either. That's I correct. Uh, it would. Hey, good job, Ray. Uh, it fell on Sunday, so they decided to celebrate on the fifth. Hey, we got to take a break, and Ray is our winner. And we will be right back in just a minute. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back to news and views. Uh, congratulations to Ray for winning our political trivia today. That was, uh, I mean, first uh, first question out of the gate and first caller out of the gate, and he gets, gets it right. Good job, Ray. And look, before we leave, uh, also thank you again for Charlie Hurt, uh, Washington Times opinion editor and Fox News contributor for for coming on the show today it was great uh, great piece he did in 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 the Washington Times if you get a chance to take a look at it um, as we leave today being our last day before Fourth of July I like to say Independence Day I like to tell people Happy Independence Day because we we've got to remember why we're having the day off and why we're celebrating and that type of thing and you know we we were a nation founded by imperfect men and women looking to perform. Uh, form a more perfect union and only with divine providence had did we even create this nation and we now are trying to with divine providence uh keep this nation going i leave you today with the from john adams letters to his wife abigail adams if you ever get a chance to read the john adams book by david mccullough uh, it's got a lot of letters in there he wrote to thomas jefferson as well as his wife abigail adams and this is what john adams said about independence day he said, Independence Day will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. I'm apt to believe 
that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations at a greatest anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of a devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be with pomp and parade, with shoes, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of the continent to the other from this time forward. You will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toll and the blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom, I see the rays of lavishing light and glory. I see that end is more than worth all the means, and that posterity will posterity will triumph in the day's transaction, even although we should rue it, which I trust in God we shall not. So as we celebrate this weekend and this next week with our friends, just remember of the blood and treasure of our founding fathers and those that have defended this great nation since that time and celebrate Independence Day. Just don't celebrate another day off. Hey, we've got tomorrow off and Monday we'll be back on Tuesday with News and Views. Have a good weekend and happy Independence Day, everybody. We'll see you next week. Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Two big final decisions by the Supreme Court today. Gas prices are up because of Russia, Russia, Russia. It is the deadliest migrant smuggling incident on U.S. soil. And it's on President Biden's watch. His response with 50 dead bodies in his state is to go straight to politics. There's no such thing as a quick win. I'm out of here. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Thursday. Uh, if we have time, we got a full hour. If we have time, we'll play political trivia. Got a little Independence Day question for you. Uh, lots to talk about this hour, and uh, we're looking forward to having Charlie Hurt on with us, who uh, will be here at about 520 uh, this is a huge story, though, out of the United States Supreme Court. You're not going to hear this on a lot of your mainstream media, but uh, the United States Supreme Court agreed without comment today to take up a dispute involving North Carolina election maps. Justices will consider the case Moore versus Harper after the court returns from the summer break. Justices will decide whether a state judicial branch may nullify the regulations governing the manner of holding elections for senators and representatives prescribed by the legislature thereof and replace them with regulations of the state court's own devising based upon vague state constitutional provisions purportedly vested the state judiciary with power to prescribe whatever rules it deems appropriate to ensure fair and free elections, according to the petition the North Carolina legislative leaders submitted to the nation's highest court. Let me just break that down into layman's language. 
the Constitution says the election laws will be put forth and uh, by the state legislature, and that's what we will follow, period. Well, the as, as you know, listening to this program, and if you've not had your head in the sand over the last few years, you know that the court system here in the state of North Carolina, the North Carolina state courts, primarily the Supreme Court, has gotten itself involved in saying, no, we're going to rule your maps unconstitutional. They're not fair for the voter. Uh, it, it's a pretty cut and dry, as as Benny and I see it, it's pretty cut and dry. That belongs to the legislature, and the, the judiciary has no say in what is put out, even if it ap- appears to be very unfair and unkind, uh, which I'm not saying any of the maps were, but my gosh, if if they if they were unfair and unlike, why were we not going back and throwing out the Mel Watt map uh, back from the I guess it was back in the uh, 80s and early 90s when Mel Watt's congressional district ran up I 85 from Charlotte all the way to Durham. <laughs> I mean, it looked like a it looked like a snake. You talk about gerrymandered anyway. What, what, nobody, I didn't think that the Supreme Court would take up this case. Now, uh, earlier in the in the spring, the state legislature filed a petition on well, March the seventeenth, asking the Supreme Court to take the case. Uh, they asked for a, uh, a well. The Supreme Court rejected what was called an emergency petition that could have blocked. Um, the the current map and uh, uh basically they came back and said it's too close to the election we're not going to get involved in it a lot of people thought that they wouldn't get involved because oftentimes you do not have federal courts getting involved in state court matters but in, indeed uh, judge Kavanaugh indicated he agreed with the sending justices when they didn't get involved in this emergency petition, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, and Clarence Thomas uh, did want to get involved. It takes four justices to hear a case. Alito, I mean, uh, Kavanaugh apparently agreed with the other three. They're going to take the case. It'll be sometime after their summer break. Uh, it, it appears that since they've already announced it, this case will be heard uh, fairly early in their next session uh, in terms of oral arguments. Now, we probably, as in most situations, it'll probably be almost a year from now before we actually have a decision by the Supreme mm-hmm. Court on this case. But the fact that they're picking it up, this is huge news, good news. Yeah, you would think the fact that they're taking it up, that it that it bodes well for the Republican-led legislature. But at the same time, I mean, they could say, well, we need to interject because we, we need to decide – you know, really, who who has the authority? But it's clear, as as Speaker Moore said, the United States Constitution gives the General Assembly the authority um, to draw districts, and and clearly the the state Supreme Court haven't done what they're supposed to do, just for purely partisan reasons. Yes, because there's nowhere that says that hey, <laughs> you can elect a special master, as they call it. A, you know, all over the country, this is happening, and it's basically the same same people that are pushing these lawsuits all over the country. Mark yeah, Elias exactly. and, and his group of cronies, but um, it, that, that's not in the Constitution that you can bypass the General Assembly, the duly elected 
members of of Congress of each state. So I mean, I I think the Supreme Court is taking this up. I I think it's going to bode well for Republicans personally. I mean, and we have the Just Supreme Court. We've we, and there's some other uh, opinions that were released today, rulings that were released. Um, one good one, one excellent one with the uh, EPA, and a, another one uh, dealing with uh, immigration that uh, is a disappointment. But by and large, you have a Supreme Court now that is very much an originalist uh, Supreme Court. They're following the Constitution based on the term originalist. It's based on what they think the writers and framers of the Constitution meant when they put the Constitution together. And uh, again, this this is very, very positive news. I tend to agree with you. I think the very fact that they have said that they're going to hear this case uh, bodes well. Now, the question is, will uh, Amy Coney Barrett go along with the other four? Uh, What will John Roberts do? Mm. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I I have more hope in Amy Coney Barrett than I do in John Roberts. Um, We'll we'll see where it goes. Uh, You know, back in March, though, Amy Coney Barrett was still sort of getting her uh, feet wet. She was... You didn't hear a lot from her. It'd be interesting if if that happened. What happened back in March happened today. Would she have been more involved and uh, <laughs> taking up the case? Well, I, I think she is fully injected in the oh, Superior, yeah. Supreme Court yeah. now. So yeah. I think uh, I think she won't she's, hold back. She's running full stride. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, again, we've got a, a great program lined up for you. We're going to be joined by uh, Charlie Hurt in a little bit, but now. Because it is Concert on the Common Night. Yeah, little Chicago. Mark Miller's with us. Hey, Mark, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, Tom? I don't know if you can hear it behind me. It's pretty loud, and I'm, I'm getting a little bit far away so I can at least hear you. But uh, Saturday in the park is blasted right now. They are doing a little sound check action, and uh, it sounds fantastic. Uh, you know Chicago has so many different sounds, right, from oh, yeah. when they started. In the, in the 60s, 70s, into the 80s, sort of got into that sort of power ballad, heavy synth stuff. We've got a horn section over here. You're going to hear everything from every era, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And it's going to be absolutely free, too, by the way. There you go. There you go. Now, this was a rescheduled concert. Originally, it was supposed to happen. I guess it was just the, this was the first concert of the year, wasn't it? And it got uh, delayed because you know, of bad weather? You know, yeah, the bad weather canceled it. And that's a tough way to start out the year, like, oh, no, what's going to happen? It's going to be one of those years. We have been blessed with beautiful weather ever since that show, and we are certainly blessed with it tonight. It's a little on the warm side, but you pick a spot that's in the shade. You grab a uh, a frosty beverage from our friends at the Junior League of Greenville. They are about to start selling those in about 10, 15 minutes or so, and uh, there's plenty of food up the hill here with food trucks galore. So there's just so much for you to enjoy today. And a great scene as our final concert on the Common gets underway with Chicago Rewired around 6 o'clock. Sounds good. So uh, grab your lawn chair, grab a blanket, and uh, come on down to the Greenville Town Common. Uh, th- this, this is a freebie, but, boy, it is, it, is, it is worth the trek. It's worth finding a parking space and, uh, uh, you know, putting on your walking shoes, your tennis shoes, going down to the town common and enjoy uh, some great music. Uh, yeah, these, these guys are good. Who, who didn't like Chicago? Uh, who did not like <laughs> Chicago? So, you know, we, they've got so much, uh, like such a varied catalog, as we were talking about before. 
you're bound to like one era of Chicago if you don't like them all. So there's going to be something for everyone tonight. And uh, and this is another one of those bands that you know appears in other spots where you have to pay a significant amount of money to oh, get yeah. into the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's your, the case what, today. What is your favorite Chicago song? Oof. You know, my, uh, mine is one that a lot of people don't remember, Old Days. I love Old Days. Yeah. I I, I kind of, I like sort of the older, sort of the 25 or 6 to 4, Stronger Every yeah, Day, those yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, getting a little work out here in the, uh, in the sound check as we speak. I'm, I'm more privy to the older stuff than I am to the uh, the 80s stuff. But the 80s stuff is such huge hits, and we play them all the time on uh, yeah. on our station. All right. Mark Miller calling in from the Greenville Town Common, going down to see Mark and go down and see uh, Chicago Rewired. Free, starting at 6 o'clock. We've got food, we've got beverages, and we've got music. Thanks, Mark. Sounds good, man. Talk to you later. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, uh, if we can get all the uh, wires crossed and uh, everybody plugged in, we'll be joined by uh, Charlie Hurt. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Gas prices, rising costs, your groceries. Everything is massive inflation, way up. Going for the roof. It's outrageous. Hold on to your wallet. What's coming through your speaker? Information. The latest news and updates. Or your smart device. The conversation right now. This is complete insanity. It's free. There's a lot going on right now. We have to understand what that means. Listen on the TuneIn Radio app and talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. News and views for a Thursday. Charlie Hurt is the opinion editor for the, and a columnist for the Washington Times, often seen as a Fox News contributor on the cable network's signature evening news roundtable. Uh, Charlie is in his 20-year career, has worked his way up from a beat reporter for the Detroit News and the Washington correspondent for the Charlotte Observer right here in North Carolina before joining the Washington Times in 2003. And uh, we are privileged to have uh, Charles Hurt with us right now on the telephone. Charlie, welcome in. Great to be with you guys. Hey, uh, first question for you. Uh, uh, this is a softball. In your former life, were you a comedy writer? I, <laughs> I, I was. So, re- you know, this is. Go, go ahead. This is this is the great thing about uh, you know, and, and I thought it was going to end with Trump. This is the great thing about uh, political news these days. It's. I mean, if you don't have a sense of humor, yeah. you're, a you're going to be miserable. Second of all, you're missing, I think, just about all of it. Uh, the problem is that with Trump, it was, it, it was oh, so much of it was intentionally funny or funny in like a, a genuinely funny way. Now it's gotten with Biden. It's gotten to the point where it's it's like really darkly. It, it's funny, but it's really dark. It's like it's creepy funny. Well, and there's so much irony in what liberals do. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, you know, one week they can't define a woman, and the next week they're all upset because women are being harassed. Yeah, and and the, and suddenly, um, that with the Roe v. Wade decision coming down, they've f- finally rediscovered what it means to be a woman. But now, uh, you know, it's insane. Uh, and and I mean, did you see some of these protests? 
where these women are, are jumping out of their cars, they're running around, they're taking their shirts off, and it's like, please just put your shirt back on. I, you know, please, I'll do anything. Take my coat. And it's, it's sort of, it's like brought, it's brought old-timey chivalry back among men because I, I take my my, jacket, my suit jacket off and I want to put it on them, you know, like they're, they're cold or something like that, like we're out. Ice skating or something like that, and you want to you just anything. Just put your shirt back on. Well, I, I I noticed in your uh, op-ed that came out today. Look out, the abortion election is coming. I I noticed that you, you do not think the sex strike has a big chance of winning. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be real successful. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it, it's uh, you you have to if you want to if you want to withhold something, you have to withhold something that that people want. <laughs> That people want, and I'm I'm thinking that everybody that is a victim of this sex strike is like, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I don't this think is like El- our lucky day. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren threatening a sex strike is not going to be. Uh, uh, yeah, that's not that's not going to move the needle, as they say. Yeah. Well, let me let me get a little more serious with you. With the exception of today's ruling on the remain in Mexico policy, and I haven't read the opinion yet, we've had a pretty impressive couple of weeks of rulings by SCOTUS. My question is, is, do you think this is a genuine paradigm shift in our country's direction, a reversal of the last 50 years of judicial activism, or is this an anomaly, a blip on the screen, and we're going to continue down the Marxist road? So I think without a doubt, um, you, know, you know, obviously there's still going to be pressures to move us down the Marxist road because, you know, we've got two branches of government that are completely out of control. But I think that this is an absolute uh, – this is the most consequential – I told my children, um, who are all kind of teenagers in that age, uh, you know, I've sort of, um, you know, begged each one of them to take to – take Careful, pay careful attention to this stuff. Read all the stuff that they can, but also kind of remember remember where you were when Roe v. Wade got struck down. Hmm. Because I and I really do believe this. I think that it will prove to be the most consequential court decision of their lifetimes, um, and and because it is part of a much larger shift away from this idea, uh, uh, from this judicial activism, and and this has been a fight that has been going on. I remember. From you know covering the judicial wars when George W. Bush was trying to get uh, judges on the court on the federal bench on the lower bench and then obviously uh, with his uh, effort to get um, you know successful effort to get John Roberts as Chief Justice and then Sam Alito um, I, re- I remember covering those wars and, and and the you know Democrats pulled out all the stops they would do everything anything they could to stop that and uh, because they realized that their only hope to get a lot of this stuff. Their, their craziest parts of their agenda, such as a free-for-all abortion guaranteed in the Constitution, the only way to do that was to do it through the courts. And so, so yeah, we're absolutely seeing a huge, huge shift. And and we, and uh, you know, and, and obviously George W. Bush. You know, it's easy to look at this through a lens of Republicans and Democrats, and certainly Democrats are hideous about the people they put on the bench. They're all activists. They don't care about the law. They make stuff up. They don't believe that the Constitution says what it means or means what it says. Um, Republicans are better about it. But even George W. Bush, you know, let's not forget, George W. Bush put Sam Alito on the court. 
but if he had had his way, he would have put his secretary, right. yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Harriet Myers, on the court right. instead of Justice Alito. We don't know. We have no idea. I mean, we, we had a pretty good sense how Alito would rule in a case like this based on his allegiance to the Constitution. We had no idea about Harriet Myers. But, but, and, and so my only point here is that when you fast forward to today and you look back, the only Republican who is batting a thousand at putting justices on the Supreme Court who believe that the Constitution says what it means and means what it says is Donald J. Trump. And he had never nominated anybody to the federal bench in his life before he uh, decided to run for president in 2016 and won and uh, did more to restore the federal judiciary than any president in history. And and I, 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 I think that you... We we should all be saying the deepest prayer of thanks yeah. uh, for for his ability to do that, and then people around him who helped him as well. Well, and I was going to say, I think that was from your uh, op-ed from a week ago where you pointed out the fact that just about every other president just sort of says, ah, who's my buddy? Who 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 do I feel mm-hmm. like nominating? Donald Trump had the honesty to admit, I really haven't done this before. I'm going to go to organizations like the Heritage Foundation and other organizations and get their recommendations. And, uh, yeah, you're right. He's had uh, – he's three for three. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he, uh, a person – one of the unsung heroes of all of this is a man named Leonard Leo at the Federalist Society, who has devoted his life. Uh, He was a friend of uh, Justice Scalia and has devoted his life to this idea that that justices, we we, we have no court if we don't have justices who believe that the Constitution means what the Constitution says. And if you want to change it, by the way, you're happy, you're free to change it. Go change it if you have a problem with it. We've changed it uh, dozens of times in our history. It's difficult to change, but you can amend it. And if you want to amend it, i.e., insert a, a, a guaranteed right to abortion, have at it. Go go for it. Do that if you want, but do it the proper way. Exactly. They don't want to do that. They want to do it the cheap way. They want to do it the dishonest way. They want to do it by just making stuff up. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, I think a big mistake that Democrats have always made is that they have always believed that Roe v. Wade, our arguments, against Roe v. Wade have always been a, a strictly a religious argument. And, yeah, you know, my, my personal profound opposition to abortion of any sort is probably more based in a, a, a you know, belief that God creates life and you, it's not our position to... It's a moral, it. a moral yeah. religious argument, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it, or, it, yeah it's certainly a moral, a moral issue. And... Uh, but what they've dismissed is that there's a huge legal argument, and the legal argument is the reason that this got overturned. Is that that the that, that even uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and many other you know pro, uh, uh, people you know just judges who believe in abort that abortion should be legal um, could not contain their disdain. For the ruling in Roe v. Wade, it was a laugher. It was ridiculous, and they knew it was ridiculous. And um, and it was that it was that legal argument that overturned Roe v. Wade. It was not the religious argument. 
And and all of these, you know, you talk to any of these Democrats today, and they all claim that it was, oh, it was just a religious thing. Right. Well, it wasn't a religious thing. It was a legal thing. Hey, Charlie, this is Benny. Uh, thank you for joining us today, by the way. Um, oh, thanks for having me. Great to see you again. Yeah, but, talk to you again. Sure. Uh, back to your, your Times, Washington Times article today. Um, and, it, of course, we were laughing about it because it was, it was entertaining, certainly entertaining and, and comical, but it really had some smart political points, I think, in it as well. And one, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you know, if abortion is such a great issue for Democrats to run on, then why have they fought so hard for 50 years to keep abortion out of the political elections? Why hand such an effective political issue over to the courts and out of the hands of the voters? So, I mean, what do you think? Um, you know, personally, I don't think the Democrats have much to run on uh, this fall or the next two years. Do you think the abortion issue will be a, a election issue at all uh, in the elections coming up? I, you know, I, I'm I'm. I have enough political humility, especially after all that we've seen over the past five years, to say, I don't know. We, we, we'll, we'll find out. And quite frankly, I'm eager to find out. And, and by the way, if, if Republicans pay a price, if conservatives pay a price, but get this done, I don't care. I'm willing to pay a price to get this done. This was that important. But my hunch is that, 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 it's, probably, that it's not a good political issue for Democrats. And that they know it's not a good political issue for mm. Democrats because, you know, let's not forget, there is no horrifying situation that Democrats are not willing to exploit in order to help them their political fortune. And every time there's some horrifying shooting anywhere in the country, Democrats exploit it for their political gain. So we know that there's nothing they won't exploit to their advantage. And if that's the if you know, since we know that's the case, why haven't they over the past 50 years exploited this issue if it's such a great winner? It's, I think we're going to find out it's not a great winner. Obviously, people are going to vote. I'm talking about a political winner for Democrats. Right. They're going to vote about the economy, which is in the dump, and they're going to vote on all the th- normal things, gas prices, all the normal things that people – uh, tend uh, to vote on. The, the sad thing about this, though, and, and again, this comes back to Donald Trump, because Donald Trump was the guy for all of his, you know, the things that people don't like about him. And he's not, you know, he's not a, you know, he's not a, a politically correct guy and he's not a politically smooth guy necessarily. That's why we like him. But he calls. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And, but 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 I get why some people don't for that reason. But 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 he was the first guy to come along and call them, call the Democrats on their on their stuff. Right. And he said and, and, he, and, and for so long, I think Republicans listened to the threats Democrats made about, for example, about abortion. And they were terrified that 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 abortion really would be this thing that would destroy just like just like with illegal immigration. How long have we listened to Democrats talk about how if you that, that Hispanics voters will not vote for you if you believe in a secure border? Well, that's been blown out of the water. Right, Look exactly. at how much better Donald Trump performed among Hispanic voters than any previous Republican did who wanted to leave open borders. He he dropped the hammer on on the borders, and it turns out, like all of us, Hispanic voters want to have secure borders. And think about how racist it is 
for Democrats to sit there and say, oh, well, if it's a brown voter, then they don't they don't care about secure borders. Exactly. Are you kidding me? Exactly. That's the most racist thing I've ever heard. Bingo. Bingo. We're talking to Charlie Hurt, opinion editor for the uh, Washington Times and a Fox News contributor. Charlie, I, let me ask you another question. I, you know, everybody is going bananas that uh, Roe v. Wade has been reversed. Casey's been reversed. D- do you think they're really upset over the abortion part of it or the state's rights part of it? I, I've got this theory that they're really more upset that through this uh, ruling – Basically, states' rights have had new breath breathed into them. In fact, I don't know if you saw today, the Supreme Court is going to get involved in a North Carolina uh, judicial map or congressional map case. They're actually going to take that up. Does does the state judicial uh, courts have precedent over the state legislature? You know, in our eyes, that's a huge win for conservatism. But is is it? Are the liberals more upset that they're losing their grip, that everything is going to be run from Washington, D.C., and suddenly the states are put back on the stage as uh, lawmakers in each state will now have a say in this matter and in other matters? Well, uh, this is really interesting, and I think that this is a very sneaky issue that uh, Republicans uh, and conservatives would be very wise to exploit. Um, I think that you are right. I think that certainly the AOCs and the Elizabeth Warrens, the Chuck Schumers of the world, they're terrified of losing their grip on power, centralized power in Washington. But what's really interesting about that is that if you talk to honest-to-God liberals or whatever they are now, progressive, because they're not liberal, they're progressives or whatever they are, when you talk to people who are genuine, you know, genuinely have these political views that we we don't really share. When you talk to them about local control, that's one thing that that actually kind of sparks in their mind. They like the idea of local control. They like the idea of power being migrated out of Washington closer to where people live. This, this idea of a giant centralized government is only appealing to centralized government people. Sadly, there are a lot of Republicans who fall into the who have fallen into that trap over the years. Oh yeah, yeah, but we got I some in North Carolina. Tremendous, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a tremendous avenue of argument. And 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 this Fourth of July, when we're all eating hot dogs if we can afford them with our family and sitting around the barbecue <laughs> and talking about stuff. That, and, and you have your left-wing buddies and your sisters-in-law or whatever who voted for Joe Biden talking about moving power closer to where people live exactly. is, is a very good thing. And, 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 and they usually agree with that. Right. The idea, you know, the idea that, that you know, Jeff Bezos um, and, you know, being in bed with Chuck Schumer in Washington to run everything. That doesn't appeal to much of anybody in the country, exactly. actually. Exactly. 
Yeah, Charlie, along this line, uh, you know, I, I read your book uh, that you wrote in 2019, Double Down, Why America Went All In on Donald Trump and Why We Must Do It Again. You know, some of these some of these things in your you know, book t- talked about that, you know, putting the hands in the power of the people. You know, Donald Trump obviously was the, you know, the outsider. And, you know, that's kind of kind of how he got to the White House, and you were one of the first ones, if not one of the first national guys that even was on that train early. Um, you know, we're, we're coming into the next presidential election here coming up, and, you know, everyone, Republicans and Democrats, are trying to get Donald Trump to be irrelevant coming up. But let, let's just say he's not relevant. I, I think he will be relevant even if he doesn't run, just who he who he picks or who he sponsors. But who's someone else that you you think – can maybe uh, pick up where Donald Trump left off in the Republican Party. Well, obviously, the, you know the, the most obvious uh, person that people talk about is um, uh, Ron DeSantis, and and you know I you know watching what he has done, he's got that third sense or that sixth sense about how to um, you know create uh, you know create issues, and that's what politics is all about. Is right? It's all about creating an issue and winning the and then and then having an argument around that issue and then winning that issue. Glenn Youngkin did it in Virginia talking about education. Um, and he did it brilliantly. Um, and, and, and DeSantis does it all the time and he does it very, very brilliantly. Um, uh, but you know, one of the things that is so great about Trump that, and again, I get it. There are people that don't like his style. What the, he, he's a great showman. Right. And he's a great entertainer. And, you know, when I look around, and obviously I think Republicans have an embarrassment of riches right now in terms of people to pick from. Um, uh, but, but, you know, do any of them have that, have that uh, extraordinary sort of circus appeal mm-hmm. that Trump does? And I, 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 don't, I don't really think they did, do. And, and, you know, the reason... You know, when when he first came on the scene and, and people and I would have to debate Charles Krauthammer, who is, literally was a childhood idol of mine uh, growing up, reading his column in the in the Washington Post. Yeah, he was um, no fan of Donald Trump. You know, and he was not a fan of Donald Trump. And but, but he was but he never you know lost his conservatism, but he didn't like Trump's style. And um, and so I sort of got to thinking that there were. You know, that the, the opposition to Trump for most people was that they just didn't like his style. And while that was true for for Dr. Krauthammer, um, I eventually came to realize that's not why most people in Washington despise Donald Trump. It has nothing to do with the style. The reason that they hate Donald Trump, both Democrats and Republicans in Washington, is because he's so effective. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to look anywhere beyond Ro- the, this overturning of Roe v. Wade to see right. how effective he was. That's why they despise him. And so when I sort of wrestle now with this, you know, when as Republicans wrestle with this issue about, so, you know, do, do people want Trump to run again or do they want Ron DeSantis to run or somebody that is has the Trump policies minus the lightning rod that is Trump? And, and I get that struggle, but at the end of the day, I keep coming back to the same thing, which is, I don't know that I don't know that any of these people can be as effective as Trump, including Ron DeSantis, without that without that 
that innate sense <laughs> for um, that, that makes him so effective. And and, and, it, and again, that's why they hate him. Yeah, yeah. And, and the bottom line is, for 50 years, he, he got really wealthy being a self-promoter. So don't doubt a guy yeah, that yeah. made a career out of being a self-promoter not being able to do yeah, it in, exactly. on a different stage. And, 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 and I'm sorry. Uh, since when was it a, was it a, some sort of sin in politics to be a self promoter? Are you kidding me? And they, <laughs> yeah, and they, point. They call him. They call him a narcissist. And yeah. I'm sitting there going, "Oh my God, have you not? Have you interviewed any of these people in Congress? They're all narcissists." <laughs> I haven't met one yet. Well, is that another reason why they're so uh, d- d- disliking Donald Trump? Is because hey, I've been a narcissist in Washington D.C. for 40 years, and you just come in and automatically win. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, no, he goes in and just embraces it. He. Yeah. He does, and and you know he does. He doesn't. He's he's shameless. He does not have shame about it, yeah. which I kind of admire because yeah. there's something very honest about it. I would far rather have that than all these people who who claim to to um, you know that they, it, they, they, they I, put I on this never, humble face when you know that's not the truth. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 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 Uh, listen, Charlie, you have been so kind and gracious. Um, we, we've really kept you over. I don't know how much uh, time Benny said we were going to uh, hold you to, but uh, this is this has been great. I hope we can get you back on again because this is uh, not only entertaining but uh, also very informative. And uh, let me recommend our listeners uh, go, and I don't know what it is, 10 bucks for the year or something, but go subscribe to the Washington Times if for no other reason to be able to get a hold of uh, – your column, which, uh, again, is very entertaining, uh, but also very, very informative. Well, I appreciate it very much. And uh, I, I've, uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you guys. And uh, uh, let's do it again. Sounds great. Look, look forward to seeing you up uh, when I head up to Virginia again. Thanks, Amen, Charlie. brother. Look forward to it. Thanks. Okay. Right, Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Uh, Benny, be right back. By the way, before I uh, go to break, we are off tomorrow and Monday for the Labor Day. Labor Day. <laughs> I, just, I just tossed away the whole summer for the uh, 4th of July holiday. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it right. Uh, are you going to do political trivia? Uh, yeah, we can. Okay, 561-8255, political trivia when we get back.